Good morning, sir. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. New recording day. Yeah. So as not to mess up your schedule. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've I've lumped everything on Tuesday, Thursday. I have so many calls today. <laughs> as you know, <laughs> yeah. that was like the goal, but wow. Right. It's really a whole day of of this. <laughs> what kind of calls you got today? Are the out external, internal, both? I had two one on ones. I'm talking to a potential employee candidate person. I have my coaching call and I have this. All right. It's basically every hour or so with like short breaks in between. And earlier I was just like, oh man, I'm not going to get anything done today. And it's like, yeah, that's right. That's, this is the thing I'm getting done today. Yeah. These calls. (laughs) Right. But it was like, I have a couple projects I'm working on. I'm like, there's just no good chunk of deep work time available today. But that was the, that's the point. That's that's the trade off. Right. And so have your other days this week been pretty like sheltered, I guess, for for focus time? They've been pretty good. I'm actually still in the process of like moving stuff around. So I still had a couple things that that fell on other days. Um, so it wasn't like pure focus time. But yes, it's already starting to benefit a little bit. Getting more disciplined about this. My Calendly already does this. Like I just exposed Tuesday, Thursday. I mean, my soon to be mighty Cal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other stuff has crept in. I just like manually scheduled with people so i'm trying to like push everything over there we'll see how mm-hmm. it goes mm-hmm. yeah. cool tomorrow i'm taking my first vacation day in a little while hey nice which is it was weird like i kind of like thought and i was like i don't think i've done much time off in a while like a year ago i think we were pretty regularly like doing like i was taking going away for the weekend or going away for a week or i took all of september basically off last year i mean maybe it's like just it's harder to travel um, like I, I canceled a bunch of trips already <laughs> and it's so like normally I would have been going to the vineyard and I had a, I had a conference speaking thing that got canceled and uh, a hiking trip that got canceled. So I think it's I think it's mostly just that I'm mostly just home. And so I don't have that f- forcing function of like, oh, like I, I want to go do this other thing. But I realized like Spencer was like taking next week off and Joel took this week off mostly. And it was like, you know, I haven't I don't think I've taken a lot of vacation recently. <laughs> and I was like, this is so unlike me. Uh, right. You need a manager to be prompting you to do that to allow yourself to take vacation. You know, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's right. a lot of times what the role of a of a good manager is is like telling people who because that's with highly motivated employees. A lot of times the problem is that you don't take enough vacation, not that you take too much. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of forgot about it, and mm-hmm. because I I think for me it's usually motivated by trips, like doing stuff, which which worked. But then when I stopped doing stuff, I didn't think like, oh, also for like my mental health and for relaxation, I should also be right doing this fairly regularly so. yeah 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 no, i know i get what you're saying about like the planned travel because i had a bunch of canceled travel plans now due to covid and my thinking on taking vacations or trips right now is like well i'm i'm in super heads down mode on trying to get mighty cow launched and like this doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the time where i need to be like taking a step back and taking vacation previously if i had a trip scheduled you know three months out and like bought plane tickets and did the whole thing then whether it's a good time or not the the trip is happening you know and it just kind of forces you and now like nothing is that set in stone because the whole world is so uncertain it's like it's easy to just keep bumping it or brushing it off and saying like yeah i'll just keep working so totally yep and now there are like more people that like want to talk to me about things like we have like you know there's there's sort of of course more to do or like more interactions to be had and whatnot so it's it feels a little bit less like I could just disappear for a long time and that's totally fine. It's like, oh, we have some work to do to get to that point, I think. Right. But mm. That mm-hmm. that seems like a reasonable goal, though. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that recently of like, 
what are the things that I'm sort of in the way for that there's no substitute for at the moment? And like, how could we build some processes or people or, or whatnot to, to make it so that I, I could step away without impacting things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems valuable. Yeah. So are you going to you just taking time away in the city or are you getting out of the city? I'm probably just going to, it's just going to be a staycation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I might, I might go visit my parents a little bit. They live outside, outside the city and not too far, but, but we'll see. I was just thinking I could just, I'll just take the day and just chill. Yeah. Be nice. Good for mental health. Yeah. So while Joel has been gone, I've been covering support uh, with, with Spencer's help, but it's, it's interesting being like frontline. Like I, I've always read at least like basically all the support tickets as they come in, but it's different when I have to like read it and then be like, okay, what am I going to do about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it, it is interesting how it kind of like makes it clear to me like, okay, this is actually a problem. Like this, I, I do keep seeing people report this thing or people are really like, they really want this feature or like it's, it's, it's definitely a good way of staying in touch with like what's going on for real with the, with the company. Yeah. Do you feel like Joel has been the primary like advocate for customer needs because he's the one mostly on the front lines? He definitely does that. He'll bring up things and be like, yo, this is, this is a problem. We should, we should fix this. But yeah, it's interesting to see it kind of more viscerally when I'm like, I don't have a good answer for this. And like, this is the third time I've been asked this this week. (laughs) This is kind of lame. We should have an answer to this. Yeah. Or seeing like all the call, the call feedbacks and like, see like where we're, where we're falling down and where we're good. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Support has that nice, uh, you have a count of tickets Mm -hmm. and it goes down as you work and you like, you know where you are and when you'll be done and when you're done, you're done. And it's kind of nice. Yeah. You can, it can be very metrics driven as opposed to like, uh, you know, software development where it's, we don't have good metrics. We can't count lines of code. We can't, you know it's a uh, fuzzier uh yeah there's even um like a rating system built into health scouts you like i answered a thing and like got a great rating from somebody yeah <laughs> uh, so it's like okay like a little dopamine hit from just like you did a good job yeah yeah that's kind of nice mm-hmm. we have a part-time support person starting uh next month oh cool it looks like which i think will be good but also i'm thinking maybe we might want to like reserve it one day a week and kind of like alternate mm. covering support yeah so it's like everyone in the company does support on Fridays alternating around the the company just or something like that to kind of keep that flow of information going. I've seen other companies do that some more aggressively than others. And I think there's certainly a healthy balance. Like you don't necessarily want your core product engineers to be constantly like pulled out of their cadence and uh, and doing support and stuff. But I think it's also really important. You get that, like you said, that visceral like understanding. Mm-hmm hard to replicate yeah and and when a core product engineer gets the same bug report a few times they can actually go look into it and be like all right let's let me see if i can just fix this right now yeah which is nice because even, even i can't do that like i don't i don't work on the, the app itself so it's like there's a lot of things where i'm just like uh assigned to spencer maybe he'll take a look at this and yeah fix this and, and that was that was part of our special sauce and our support mix was having like a support engineer um totally who he split his time between doing like more technical type support and building features. And that was kind of just his job. And I mean, eventually he kind of, you can't do that forever. I feel like, especially if you're like, no, I'm primarily an engineer and I will help out on the support stuff, but he did it for a long time and did a really great job on it. And, you know, as a result, I think people got a, a, a better support experience than they're always having to be a handoff on like, well, can't answer your question. So now I'm going to assign, you know, um, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. We were, we were kicking that idea around the other day. Uh, about having something like very technical in in the loop that could 
get to the level of like, let's go look at the logs. Let me try to diagnose this. Oh, look, I can even submit a patch or at least open like a really good issue about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, having having someone that could even just solve it would be, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. Interesting how many ways there are to build a company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of decisions to be made. Experiments to try. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last thing on my list is a thing I have kind of re-noticed about myself. So there is a giant robots episode, which for those that don't know, was the podcast that I recorded at ThoughtBot for five years or something crazy. And you co-hosted for a while. It was like a year or so. It was an interview for show, show for a while and then had a co-host for a while. And But there was an episode called something like Productivity Begins with a Haircut. Efficiency starts with a haircut, I think. Efficiency, yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, i remember that one that was that was giant robots right yeah that was, that yep. was us. yeah okay i think i was on it too yeah <laughs> i was talking about the fact that there's certain like personal habits that make me feel like out of control when i'm not doing them mm-hmm. and so like this example was like when i haven't had a haircut in too long and i keep seeing myself in the mirror i'm like oh god i gotta get a haircut it like disrupts my work like it makes me feel like i don't have my act together like my life is kind of crazy and it just like makes me feel like I can't focus on work because, or like I'm focusing too much on it and it's letting my personal life kind of slip and get out of control. Uh, and it, and it messes with me and I haven't had a haircut in a while, but I have a good excuse this time. So <laughs> it's not right. this, this time, but, but I noticed this was happening actually recently with a lack of groceries. Mm. Like I mm-hmm. hadn't been grocery shopping in a long time. And so I've been like mm-hmm. ordering tons of takeout and just mm-hmm. kept having this experience of like, I'm kind of hungry. Go to the fridge. Damn, there's nothing in here. Mm-hmm. I really can't even cobble a meal together with what's here. I, I guess I'll order another thing. And every time that happened, I felt this like vague sense of like, you know, you don't have your life together, man. Like you're spending all this money on takeout. You can't even make a meal. You can't even like feed yourself um, in the most basic way without like outside help. And it was just like, ah, uh, it was really, it was like, it was stressing me out to like a surprising degree. And so yesterday like i left work a little bit early so i could go grocery shopping when there was like nobody there and it actually felt like kind of a it was almost like work related where it's like i have to do this in order to like be able to focus on work because this is like making me stressed out and and, and distracted there's like certain habits certain like basic things that i have to kind of keep under control otherwise it feels bad for me it's um it's always like getting dressed because like I, I could easily just you know wake up and continue working throughout the day and whatever i'm wearing and not not do anything to my hair and like just but i i can't focus if i'm uh <laughs> if i'm sitting like that like i need to like all right i need to get get ready and then there's something just ceremonial about it i guess where it's like i feel like i'm a slob if i don't do that i don't know some days even if i'm like if I need the extra motivation, I'll put on like a nicer shirt. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to actually do it nice today. <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah, no, uh, I get that. Yeah. I had a summer internship where like part-time I was writing code and part-time I was like basically doing sales, like trying to like sell programmer consulting. It was a weird job. When I was just writing code, I would like dress really casually. But if I was like making calls or like might have to go visit somebody, I would like dress nicer. And someone that I worked with told me that like, they said, you act differently when you're dressed more nicely. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like they noticed it. Remember the, this thing in school, they used to talk about dressing for success, which mm-hmm. always seemed kind of ridiculous, but I think I get it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, brains are just like not that clever about no, certain things. They're really not. <laughs> like there are weird things that are inputs you that you expect to just be outputs. But like you can be like, oh, like if you put on nicer clothes, your brain acts as if things are going better. Right. 
or like you're more serious or something. You're wearing a better shirt. You're probably going to sit up a little straighter. Like you're not going to be slumped over. And then it's like, and then there's better posture just makes you think differently too. I think like, ah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Such, we're such weird creatures. I know. I know. Clearly just running a weird old operating system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. A lot of bugs. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what's going on in my world. Yeah. Cool. It's up in the land of Mighty Cow. So over the weekend, I think I talked about this last time. Over the weekend, I I spent a bunch of time working on the Zoom integration. Basically got it completed. I do have to submit for like approval. They they phrase it as like approval to enter their app marketplace or something. And which will be a good like, you know, potentially a good marketing thing. But also that's required to allow anyone else to OAuth through the OAuth application. So I can't let other people connect their Zoom accounts until I get like approved for the app marketplace, I think is essentially what, oh, how it works. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, I need, so I just need to get my application filed. But yeah, otherwise it's, it's basically ready to go. So I feel good about that. Uh, it didn't take too much time. Okay. Yeah. Code's complete. Yeah. Think? Yep. I would say so. Did you write tests for that? I did write some tests. Yes. Um, oh, I remember OAuth being really tricky to, to write tests for. You know, so actually I, I cheated a little bit because I picked... So I'm using some OAuth libraries. I'm using the the old like trust the testing in the library and don't test the library functionality Got hack. Yeah. <laughs> and also mm-hmm. sort of picked like a boundary where it's like, all right, this is this is a boundary close to the close to the metal that I'm building my interface on top of, and I'll test the interactions with that interface and then trust that everything below that is working according to the according to the readme. So <laughs> sounds sounds sensible. Yeah. I, was, I remember working on an OAuth integration one time with Joe Ferris, who is like total coding badass and he we were pairing on it and he was like let's write some tests for this and i was like how and he like spins up a server a local server to function as the other end of the oauth endpoint and like just like basically from memory wrote up this like faked out oauth server for the other side to hit from our client side and it was just like wow like i'm 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 impressed that we did this but jesus i can i'm i'm barely (laughs) following this this back and forth oauth handshake and you're that you're like stubbing out and faking it was like it was impressive yeah i've done that a few times but it's taken like some i remember doing this thing with level maybe or one of i don't know one of the apps in the past i didn't feel like i had total confidence around it and i was like i really should have a test here but i can't bang this out quickly and then it was like one friday afternoon i was like all right i'm kind of burned out on this other stuff maybe i'll just take like a couple hours and build this like oauth test and i like got it working but it took way too long (laughs) so Mm. yeah yeah it sounds like a pragmatic thing of trusting the library is probably the way to go here. Yeah. Yep. Sure, surely the library should have some sort of fake server spun up that, and doing all this stuff to. Yep. And I took a peek, to took a peek in their tests, and they seem to be doing enough for me to feel confident. So that was good. And then I decided it was yesterday. I messaged my friend Matt Wensing, our mutual friend. I was like, "Hey, you want to get onboarded today?" And I partially wanted him to like test out the Zoom stuff because. I didn't know if you could like allow an external Zoom account. And then I was like, I can demo the product to you and we'll get you on board. That was enlightening <laughs> because. Mm. <laughs> so first of all, I the sent the first him, person you've, you've tried to onboard. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, and first of all, I sent him a, a mighty cow link to find a time and the link, the link crashed when he tried Ooh. to use it the first time. <laughs> of course. Luckily there was like a honey badger error that bubbled up from somewhere. So I started trying to decipher that. Super frustrating. Now I'm like kicking myself for like too aggressively rolling up 
errors and losing some of the context. So like an error happened in a Google API interaction somewhere. By the time it got reported, it was just like a, a missing a handler on an edge case. And the edge case was just like, error, create event failed. And I was like, damn it, why'd you, <laughs> why did you not <laughs> log that or something? But the weird thing is, it did partially work. So it created the event. The event got created in Google Calendar. And yet, my code believes that an error occurred. So I think that Google basically returned, even though their docs say it should be a 200 response, I think they returned some other... 200 level response that I was not aware of, which feels arbitrary and strange and unsettling. But um, there's some other 200 type code that means success, but also something else. Right. Like maybe maybe you're looking for 200 explicitly. I was looking for an exact 200. Maybe it was a 204 created this one time. Although most of the times it is just a flat out 200. So I've gone through now and like expanded the, the level of 200 statuses that I accept and like added a bunch of logging. Like I'm going to log every time one of these comes through so I can just audit it. So made, made the whole thing more, much more robust, but also like I'm doing some more work on kind of this, this is the critical path. Like when someone clicks the schedule button, we ideally don't want to crash if at all possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So That's, Yeah. I g- agreed. Yeah. So lo- thinking business strategy for you. Exactly. Yeah. Thinking through like, how much of this do I make asynchronous? Because for example, with, you know, very common, very common case, you have a Google calendar connected and a Zoom account connected. And when someone clicks that button, you need to call out to Zoom, create the meeting, and then populate like a description for the event that includes the instructions on how to join the Zoom meeting and make sure that ends up in the calendar, calendar events description and in the location field and all that kind of stuff. So there's like, you know, multiple services at play. And if either one of those fails, if my code's not buggy, then there's a chance that there was just, you know, something random happened across the wire. So there's probably probably shouldn't force the user to resubmit. Like I should probably just take that input in and then re- do some retries. But then what happens if, you know, OK, after five attempts, like, yep, your Zoom account, we can't we can't connect to it. Well, now what do we do? Do we let the event still get scheduled, but tell the account holder like, hey, problem with your Zoom account. You have an event that doesn't have a Zoom meeting attached to it yet. So there's a lot of uh kind of edge case handling to think about totally yeah handling the non-happy path is where a lot of the, uh, the craziness comes in that's the worst part of programming i think it's, um it's tough. <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like ruby kind of encourages you to just like eh, it's fine just keep going <laughs> right it'll, it'll return nil maybe and then it'll blow up and who knows but yeah yeah i, and, I feel like app development for me has always like inevitably been like code for the happy path and then you start to find the ways it blows up in production and like you start adding the the error handling and the retrying and the stuff and well that's the thing because it's like the happy path generally has like one maybe two or three different routes like google's going to return a 200 or it's going to return a 204 or whatever there's probably there's a finite set of ways it can go right but there's pretty much an infinite number of ways it could go wrong you know like there could be a connection timeout there could be a random 500 error there could be that, you know, someone could have deauthorized Mighty Cal in their in the external account. So now the token refreshing doesn't work. And like there's retry logic. But then in that scenario, retries will never help uh, the situation because they've deauthorized it. And that's the thing, like providers generally don't document the failure cases that well. They, sure. they, they yeah. tell you like this is the this is the success case and then like you have to go hunting for like maybe they'll have like a one pager in their docs about errors 
but I found it usually doesn't actually align with what happens <laughs> in reality. This is one nice thing about really good type systems like Elms, for example, where like if this function sometimes returns the token, but then sometimes doesn't, you have to encode that in the type. And then your code has to handle what's going to happen if it for whatever reason doesn't return the token. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of nice. It like pushes that complexity at you. It's like you can't pretend this is always going to work. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell me what you're going to do if it doesn't work. And it, like it makes you think about that up front. I think that's that's kind of awesome. Yeah, I became very spoiled by that. And Elixir has kind of not a full blown type system, but it has the ability to basically declare type specs. So you can say like this function should return these things. Then you can run this static analysis thing called dialyzer that will go through. And like, if you said like this function can return these possible return types and then somewhere else you've, you've put like a case statement that has something not included in that list, then it'll like raise a red flag for you. So it's kind of there, but like what I, I want it to be even stricter. I want it to tell me like, hey, you have a case statement over here and you're consuming the response of this function, but you haven't handled every branch. Like, and that's what Elm won't compile unless you handle every single branch. And that's that's really what I want. It gets annoying, but it's also like you can either say like everything else I'm just going to swallow, but you have to be explicit about that. Right. You have to make a decision there yeah. as opposed to just like bumbling forward and be like, I'm sure it's fine. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That is pretty nice. So that was like, you know, I'm glad it was Matt that that first experienced that because it's like that would be a major confidence like killer <laughs> if it's like I tried to book a thing for a demo of this product and then that that process crashed. So totally. Uh, well, for what it's worth, Tuple crashed all the time when I was doing demos yeah. <laughs> in the early days. Right. So like right. I just had tons of bugs. So like. Yeah. It happens. And we had people still sign up. I would like be trying to show them the product. I'd be like, well, obviously it's, it shouldn't have crashed there. But uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they'd be like, I get it. It's, you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah. So yeah. People are, are forgiving. Yeah. If they're the right sort of early adopter people. Yep. And then he, you know, connected his Google calendar and immediately I saw some errors from, that's the other thing that I've ranted about before. Like Google's API will, if something is nil, it just won't be included in their payload. So I think there were some there were some things that had never emerged in my own calendar events that I had connected or anywhere else's calendar so far that I had connected that were present in Matt's like these random keys that I had never seen before and that was like messing with my event parsing logic. So so yeah, I basically came away with like five different tickets on like things to things to look at here or there. And so I mean that's actually that's that's just that's great, right? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. I was like, success. Like I either either it's completely smooth and you're like ready to go, or I have a bunch of like actionable items. And so yeah. Mm -hmm. I count that and, as a and, and this is I think this is inevitable that you're gonna have a bunch of these yeah. hiccups along the way. Right. I'd rather get them sussed out earlier. Ideally, like if the next three calendars I connect all produce crashes, then I'll be that much more confident that once I've addressed those things, like it's getting it's getting very robust very quickly, you know. Nice. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, do you miss Ruby and Rails at all? Uh, you know, Elixir feels Ruby-ish enough for me. Like, it's the good parts of Ruby for me. I think, yeah, Phoenix is very Rails-inspired also. I get most of my, most of the good parts, I think, from from this stack. Um, okay. Yeah. No, no regrets? No, no. Cool. Make me a little, little, little jealous. <laughs> have you played with elixir at all i know thoughtbot became very elixir um, focused not really that was just, a little bit just barely after your time i'm yeah. like i'm somewhat familiar with it i've like read about it i haven't mm -hmm. used it in anger mm -hmm. um, 
I like the I like the sound of it. Yeah, it's um, you know immutability functions. Those are all good things and th- areas where Ruby could get particularly hairy with monkey patching things and objects and yeah. mutating internal state. So yeah, just going from OO to FP would be really great. We had this moment of like, should like, what should we build the back end in? It was like, I just know Rails so well that like we could do some experimentation here, but eh, we're we're inventing all new stuff on the client. So why don't we keep the back end really simple? And like Joel and Spencer also already knew Rails. So it was kind of like, well, this is a pretty clear choice. Yeah, I think it was totally, that was totally the right choice. Um, yeah, it's just not as fun, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do less and less back end work every month. So, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't get to play with the, the spoils anyhow. Mm. Well, you could always just start your hobby project in Elixir. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. If, if I set up a hobby, hobby project, it's going to be in some very goofy language. Closure is actually the thing I, I really wish I had gotten to, to like use more widely. Yeah. Like it's just like so beautiful and so well designed and it's, I would just love to use more of it. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning, actually, that I, I've long called like programming one of my one of my primary hobbies and it used to be i would build i've built some like little ios games back in the day when when like ipads were new and um that was fun and i've kind of mostly given up the hobby side of programming which i'm a little bummed about but it's also like i spend so many hours in front of a screen every day like most of my hobbies now involve like doing something active outside which is probably a good thing but it would be interesting at some point to kind of get back to the the hobby side of programming they do have a lot of fun doing that yeah yeah i miss it too i kind of i kind of miss like getting better at it and like learning more things about it i think that, that was one of my favorite things about thoughtbot was like getting to learn from better programmers and like talking about the esoterica and like the sort of like nitpicking or like just learning how to level up and that was was really satisfying my programming skills are like kind of plat like they've stuck where they were several years ago and, and that hasn't been true for a while so that's a bit of a bummer right right you can't learn all the things no no gotta focus a little bit yeah but i do have groceries so there's that that's good you can eat <laughs> you can eat food it's a basic basic human needs are good yeah yep, yep. covered yep yeah. well anything else going on um i don't think that's i think that's about it i was remarking that it's a it was a shorter week this week because we switched from a friday to a thursday uh um recording so i have one less day to produce um podcast content <laughs> all right well you have to Just get a lot done tomorrow so that next week's exactly yeah got to make it worth it extra yep. fodder yep cool all right well let's wrap it then all right notes of the show notes of the show can you find our podcast.com thanks for listening see ya <laughs>